Good evening, Eileen. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Very well, thank you, yes. Here we are again, back are. to episode number 14. 14, wow. We can get through this podcast. We can get through this. And you can follow us on Instagram at... We, we can, can get, get through, through this, this pod. pod. You can visit our website at... www.tanamine.org.uk We took a little bit of an unscheduled break last week. It wasn't planned. It was just a matter of running out of time, yes. to be honest. Um, it certainly didn't fit in with our work schedule, unfortunately, last week. But we're back to it this week. We are back with renewed enthusiasm. We've always been enthusiastic. But we have even more enthusiasm now than we had before. <laughs> um, I think what we are back with is a slightly different approach this week. Yes, we've, I'm really excited at this new idea. We've gone for a, a, a new tactic. Um, it comes from, the, from having early in the lockdown, which was way back in March 2020, um, Probably a couple of months into the into the lockdown, or certainly the you know the realization that the COVID pandemic was a really re very major world event, we contacted a few people, friends, family, acquaintances, and asked them to write their lockdown thoughts. Yes, as a means of really a, a record, a historical record of. Um an unprecedented situation mm. and we really didn't think that we would still be in this situation right now we we've mentioned that before that we thought this would be you know it was a thing of 2020 2021 we'd be moving into a new phase of life but here we are so we are nearly on the anniversary of the lockdown situation and I think for that reason, we felt that maybe it was time to revisit some of those people who had we did given us an initial There was response. a range of writings that were submitted to us and they all made fascinating reading, all coming at it from slightly different angles, different approaches. So as Phil said, um, we thought it would be really good to revisit those writings revisit the people who submitted some writing um so we invited well we've invited some people and the first to take us up is a guy called jerd who is tonight reading out for us his writing and then we're going to have a little chat with him about how he's um adapted or changed since those initial thoughts, his lockdown thoughts from the first stage of lockdown. And uh, I think this is the pattern for the next few episodes, I think, isn't it? Well, it may be, may not be. We may have a bit of variety, but we'll certainly be re revisiting from time to time people's lockdown thoughts as they were submitted to us around May, June of last year. So we're now eight nine months on and to look back at those thoughts from that time is quite revealing and to see how those people have managed to get through this yes. it's the mental health podcast with eileen and phil it's the mental health podcast with eileen and phil right when you are yeah so yeah fire the, away so go for this is this is my 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 COVID chronicle um, from May 2020. Um, nothing's changed. Yes, everything has changed. A WhatsApp exchange between siblings on the first weekend of lockdown. So, nothing's changed. A creature of habit. Anyone that knows me will confirm that. I retired in 2011, but after three years, went back to work. Unable to, to follow an unstructured day, I went back to work for two reasons. To regain social interaction and to do something of value. But really I need office companionship, the banter, not one to work from home at all. Never, some never something I actually wanted to do. Not the reason I went to work. Well, nothing's changed. 
But here I am, as they say, WFH, consider myself one of the very fortunate ones. In the lexicon of new words, furloughed was not one that was going to affect me. No need to extend loans or claim universal credits. The continuous news cycle becomes addictive. The pervasive politics of big numbers adds to this compulsion. 7.2 million pieces of PPE issued. What? How does that compare to pre-COVID? 700,000 NHS volunteers, huge number. I signed up to that effort. Not totally altruistic, but to give me the impetus to get out of my converted bedroom stroke office. Big numbers, no job assigned. Still in my office, headset on, with my greatest friend becoming Microsoft Teams. Days flying by, albeit all the same. Commute being from the kitchen to the office room. The occasional bike ride, replacing the very regular gym sessions. Midriff slowly expanding. Resting heart rate rates creeping up as fitness evaporates. My bike ride took me past my lady friend, and after two visits, the normally friendly neighbour threatens the police if I return. You're breaking social distancing rules. Mm, nothing's changed. So my bike ride becomes isolation in itself, and the trip to the local shop becomes a series of awkward arcs around approaching people, observing antisocial distancing. My natural instinct to shake hands with people I know while exchanging a pleasantry. Will it ever return? And so the weekend finishes after a family Google Hangouts quiz, money spent online on things I don't really need to keep my spirits up, and sign up to ebooks from my local library. Another pleasure becomes solitary. But the strangest collective experience has been the weird, vivid dreams accompanying broken sleep that everyone appears to be suffering and the reminder that we're all going through the same. And so a day, a week begins. Off to my office, headset on. Nothing's changed. These weeks have passed by quickly in a time warp sort of way. And there are clearly two aspects to all of this, the practical and the emotional. The second of these is really what it's all about, how we feel as a consequence of what we're forced to do. Often easier to describe the cans and can'ts. Can't go in the shop, there's already two people in there. Can't go to the cafe. Or can go to the cafe, but only get a takeout. That's the easy bit to describe how I feel. Well, that's so much harder. So I'll put together a diary of emotions. I probably only need to do, do it for one week or even just a day, as most days are pretty much the same as the previous one. So Monday, 5.30. Wake up and feel exhausted and disturbed from another vivid dream mare where I'm challenged to complete an impossible task. The reality so stark it takes me a while to shake it off. 6.45, I feel ready for the day after a shower, breakfast, exactly the same as every work day. Have to say, my thoughts are, what in heaven's name is life all about? 7.30, start work, feeling stressed for absolutely no apparent reason. And thankful that I get my only morning text from Anne, but surprised that she's 45 minutes late. Feel sad as I read it. A stroke has made lockdown far, far worse than anything I've experienced. And a tinge of guilt that I seem to be in a permanent flat feeling. What have I really got to worry about? Anne, as ever, is hard on herself and clearly very lonely. Should I be doing more? More guilt. Tell her, work to be done and I'll be busy. Not to put her off, but to manage her expectations and so that she knows any response from me may be slow in coming. Then feel guilty that she would do anything to be busy. 
work starts and feel slightly anxious as I know there's much to do, but once the maelstrom starts, when everyone else logs on, I won't get anything done. First email gives me more of a feeling of pressure. A work I would offload on a colleague and offer them a listening ear for their woes. None of that today. Just get on with it and hope that the feeling of pressure and stress alleviate themselves as I get into it. I'm thinking I cannot believe the mental roller coaster. And it doesn't seem to matter what you do, the downers are downers and the uppers are uppers. We're not in control of our mental state. You realise that in this situation. Every day is the same, same routine, but the way I feel is completely different. Nine o'clock, radio's babbled away in the background as it has every day since working in these conditions, and virtually every minute, minute of it has been about the virus. And now disturbances, disturbances uh, as a consequence of race demonstrations and feel low and that the world is in a bad place and that I must stop listening to the news and put on some uplifting music. Never do. Frazzled by a call. Rest of the day. Have you ever known such consistent, fine and sunny weather than since lockdown began? Day after day of glorious sunshine with the occasional break just to keep the garden watered. I'm sitting here with the sun shining through the window and if we were ever asked for our perfect weather conditions, we would describe exactly this. But, but lacking the ordinary freedoms to move about and go out sort of negates the pleasure we should be feeling. Four birthdays and a totally different approach to social distancing. One family member happy for me to hug them, my granddaughter, the dog if they have one, and just get on with life. Another, I'm not a part of their so-called support bubble, so can't th cross the th threshold. Actually, I've made myself a part of as many bubbles as will have me. Have I mentioned that before? I signed up for the NHS volunteers. In four months, I've had five jobs. So, have been out to collect prescriptions from the local pharmacy. They are called the local pharmacy, who have realised that they can use this service to supplement their delivery drivers. So on picking this one up, see it's for my next door neighbour who's shielding. It's a more rewarding aspect to the situation and a pleasure to help them. I feel I've become somewhat agoraphobic. My ever decreasing social circus circle has diminished to nothing. It was nothing plus one before lockdown. <laughs> I've developed a genuine fear of going back into the outside world. That awful phrase, the new normal, fills me with dread. I can't contemplate ever booking a restaurant where, before I even start, I have to avail them of my personal details for track and trace purposes. Let alone then having to sit at a strange angle to the person I'm with and distance from other customers. To be hoofed out after an hour to make way for the next diners, giving the staff sufficient time to throw away the plastic cutlery and paper menu. Okay, I've gone off at a tangent from my diary and I'm just pouring forth. There are some good aspects that go through my mind, but I just cannot think of any at the moment. I've discovered a really good singer that I wasn't aware of, Brandy Carlyle. There's one good thing. I have to go for, a week, for the weekly shopping now. I wonder how long the queue will be today. At least the football's back, but again, it's comparable to eating a Mars bar with the wrapper on. There's pleasure there somewhere. You just have to create your own atmosphere. That's it. That, that's great. <clears throat> Thanks so uh, much for sharing your lockdown thoughts and your diary with us. Um, as you said at the beginning, obviously, that was about May of last year, May 2020. So yep. nine or ten months ago. And I guess things have changed quite a bit for you in that time as they've changed for most of us, I think, in one way or another. So what, what would, how would you update your situation now? What would you reflect back on and what changes have you made? How have you coped, really? Well, change that was forced upon me, but had I been making that change in non-lockdown conditions, it would have been totally different. Because yeah. we're locked down and because I'm working from home, I relocated 
from Leeds from right. Leeds to Filey, about sixty miles, because I don't have to go into the office. Had I been still been working from the office, the change was effectively that I had to move house because um, I was renting. House was being I was asked to leave because the house was being sold. I would have found another house in Leeds um, and stayed local, but I've come over here to the coast. And yeah. how would I describe that? Well, in many ways, it's been a fantastic move. Um, right. But fantastic within the constraints of the lockdown. So I get out. Um, well, before I moved here and when the gyms were open, I was going to the gym all the time. Coming over here, no gym. So I, get, I go out running. Right. Um, so I keep myself active, but I am totally, totally isolated here. Totally, hmm. total isolation. And how are you coping with that isolation then? Uh, um, I have a lot of contact, so I'm able to m manage it, but it's all, it's all phone calls, um, yeah. FaceTime calls, those sort of things and it's 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 daily a lot right. of it so i'm i'm very fortunate in that sense mm -hmm. i know you mentioned in your um early lockdown thoughts that you had returned to work having retired you'd returned to work in large part for the social aspect and obviously that is now missing that was taken away once lockdown started and you started working from home, mm. so you were missing that social aspect, and that must now be approaching nearly a year that you've had that sort of lack of direct face-to-face -face social contact with colleagues. Have you adjusted to that? Yeah, I think that's flipped now. So whereas, whereas I went to work for the social contact, mm. and that social contact was in person, face-to-face, it's flipped in that I still have a load of social contact, but all on the phone, and I've got used to it, and the thought of going back into an office fills me with dread. <laughs> <laughs> so I've, so, oh. I've sort of become um, institutionalised within my own home. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think you're probably along with the other um, 60 million yeah. people who've been <laughs> locked down. Now we're in lockdown number three. And hopefully there won't be a lockdown number four. Yeah, but um, I think we've all got to that point, haven't we? Where this this um, uh, normal has really uh, become our normal, and uh, the thought of doing something different to this is now actually quite yeah. daunting. And again, yeah, you actually mentioned in your thoughts <clears throat> of nine or ten months ago that you were kind of very wary of this idea of adjusting to a new normal, but it feels like. You, as Phil says, along with um, a very large portion of the population, have actually adjusted to a new normal. And, you know, we're recording this on the day that um, Boris Johnson is announcing his roadmap to come out of this third lockdown. And he's preparing us for that eventual return to something like the old normal. How does that make you feel? Uh, yeah, I've li I've listened to some of that. I, I I think that I have I will I will only allow those things to affect me when they happen. There's mm. been far too. It's all speculation. The the yeah. news is no longer the news for me is normally a reporting of past past events, things that have happened. It's mm. now become speculation mm. of possible future events and that may or may not come to fruition. So I don't, I, I will, I'll deal with that. It, you know, if they tell me to go back to work or if, if they open the bars or if they, you know, the, if, if they, yes. when, once it's bubble and all, you know, six people or rule of six, uh -huh. whatever they call it, once that happens and I'll, will I'll respond to it. But I don't think anything of that. I mean, I, th I, 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 I saw, I, I also, yeah obsessively seek out things that that, that that alleviate the sort of bad feelings so i do my running go out on my bike watch netflix mm. watch i pick things that are going to make 
you know, I'm not sitting here passively worrying and fretting mm. about, you know, how life is bad. Sometimes, you know, mm. clearly those things go through your mind, but I keep myself occupied. Mm. So I don't, I don't, I don't, I, in, in terms of practicalities, you know, when the lock, when this lockdown thing does lift and we are, we are required to go back into the office, I don't ever envisage it that being the same anyway. Um, but it'll it'll create slightly slightly sort of practical difficulties because I've got to travel sixty miles to get there. <laughs> but I, but but at, at, at most, even 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 now, I mean, the, the the business case for putting us back into an office environment has got has got to be very limited. I think. Yeah, I sorry, think, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's quite an interesting thing, isn't it? This idea of a lot of people working from home now. Whereas it was never, you know, in the past, if you suggested that you might work from home for a day because you needed to concentrate on something, people were very yeah. sceptical and cynical and thought, oh, they yeah. just want a skive. Yeah. Whereas now that has become a much more accepted way of conducting business mm. or, you know, working for a large organisation. Actually, a lot of people working in their own home environments. And I think you'll probably have seen that you work as hard, if not harder, than you may have ever before. Do you think you have? I would say, I'd say I'm certainly more productive. Mm, Um, And the reason for that is fairly obvious. You know, we've got a job of work to do. And actually what happens Mm. is if the pressure's on on a Monday, I might work through till six. If the pressure isn't on on a Tuesday, I might finish at three. Well, they're they're getting the work out of me at the time they need it. Um, instead of yes. sitting around chatting to someone down at the tea point for an hour, um, I'd be, I'm switching on and off. They call it flexible. The, the flexible working isn't, you know, it's it, it exactly what we're doing. We might work at seven o'clock. I mean, I don't do this. I know some of the others do. I try and keep it. But, you know, you, if, if there's something to do, you do it at seven o'clock at night. You might then yeah. do some chores during the day. So it's, it's, it's a far, far more sensible um, sort of working pattern in that sense. The, the, the you know, clearly the, the downside of it is the lack of social interaction and the consequent uh, effect on your mental health, which in itself is very serious. Yeah. But actually, as we get used to it, in, 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 in business terms, in, in, in terms of actual productivity, and from an economic point of view for the, biz- for the business, in saving the cost of the estate, you know, the office space etc there's no business case for going back to work but it's purely it's the other side of it the social interaction that's but as as we say you know people have got used to it the new normal is well the going back to the old way is going to be the new normal now and do you do you think that the same applies in um the context of family interactions and that sort of thing that's the hardest bit that's the hardest bit because, you know, I've got the grandkids there and I'm getting daily sort of bits of video clips and stuff and the kids, you know, they're on the phone to me with the, the, and the kids have got to know me by being on the, on the phone. They think, I'm, they think I'm some sort of hologram on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> yes. you know, I think grandparents up and down the country can um, yeah, identify with that. Yeah, that, that's weird. Yeah. So that, that bit, that's the hardest bit. Mm, mm, uh, um, that is definitely the hardest bit, um, but I think you know what, what. But all in all, so a move from inner city or well, certainly city life to coastal community living, um, which you know very difficult during the time of a pandemic, getting to settle into a new area when you're not actually allowed to talk to anyone and nothing's open. Um, but do you, would you say all in all, I know you've mentioned that that was forced upon you, this idea of moving, that you had to move, that you had to make a change. Do you think you've made good with that change? Oh, it yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, 100%. It's been brilliant. It's been a great, mm. great thing to do. I mean, you know, it's it, moving at the best of times, the, the period of the moving, you know, when I was told I had to move and all the rest of it and the actual bit around that was 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 probably yeah. one of the hardest in my life psychologically that really was I was sort of probably mm. well my back went which was purely purely 100 completely as a result of the stress of that situation 
but but what, right, yeah. unfortunately one thing the other thing i've sort of coming to realize far too late in life that is that if you can control a situation to make it better then worry about it and but, but control it do it do something about it and if you can't try not to worry about it you know and i i worked you know over that period very very hard i'd like to be you know i want stability in my life and i've had too, far too much change but having got having made yeah. the efforts and put in a, a huge amount of work to settle in here it's been brilliant i, I loved it i should have done it years ago it's the the life is just so so much better out here than in in the city right. it's just it's unbelievable yeah. how, how much better that is there's um, there's an, an interesting a really good film called the bridge of spies with a with a very famous english or scottish rather actor called mike mark rylance mm. who's been in lots of different things like wolf hall and stuff and uh in this film he's facing a very serious uh situation uh in a, in a court case and his lawyer turns to him and he says aren't you worried about this and he turns back and he says will it help and the lawyer says no well says what what's the point of worrying <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely that's right absolutely the the the, the, the main the main underlying problem there is that the worrying isn't something you can turn on and off unfortunately it's it's something that is done to us rather than us doing it it's it just comes upon us but Mm. no i've managed to control that more i think it seems to me you can work on these things and the more you think about it and work work on it the less um you know you do i'm sure i have controlled that to some extent i'm not as bad as i used to be but, but that move generally the move's been good yeah sounds, excellent very good yeah i was going to say yeah, the yeah. move and being um you know you've said you've swapped the gym for going yeah. for bike rides or long walks or yeah, running yeah. or whatever um and probably in a very nice natural environment which uh, you know, when gyms are closed, do you think you'll go back to the gym, or do you think you'll stay with the what they call the? Green uh, it'll be gym? the green gym. <laughs> the, the... What one thing are you most looking forward to once this whole situation has been relaxed to virtually normal? Nat- naturally, you'd think, oh, great, seeing family, and that will be be be, be you know that'll be probably the the the, the, the 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 pinnacle of it all. Just get people coming up, and I'm sure they'll be coming up every weekend. Here, people will be up. I'm sure seeing me, but but on a day to day basis, it'll be the things like the cafes opening and stuff. I want to be able to just go out <laughs> when I'm out and about and get a coffee and just go in and have a sandwich <laughs> without any restrictions. Just you know, with people here, yeah. even there's you know, just just to go out mm. when the people come up. You know, it's great to have them here, but to get out for a walk and just sit by the front, all the cafes are. The little, the little cafe bars where yeah. you sit on the by the beach are all shut. Uh, so, yeah, it's that feeling of having yeah. choice, isn't it? Of being actually, you know, whether you choose yeah, to go and sit absolutely. in the cafe or not, knowing they're open and available to you just makes a whole world of good. That, 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 that's it, a, really? that's a good point, and because a, a lot of these things, these restrictions, a lot of them we wouldn't have done anyway. It's the fact that we can't do them that's causing the stress. Yes. Even if we weren't going to do them. Yeah. We've never, never had any intention yeah. of doing, you know, very many of those things, going out of my area to exercise. I've never even, but the fact that you're t- they're telling you what you can and can't do, and in the main, what you can't mm. do is what what's causing me that has caused me the um, that underlying stress. It's horrible. But you seem to have given good examples of how you've actually coped with that and adjusted to it and being you know you you're getting out and doing your bike ride and doing yeah your, yeah um running so yeah. being active even though it's maybe a little bit different to how it might yeah otherwise act- have been, yeah but not letting that stop you from going out yeah. and doing and it would be nice to think maybe that um, having had things taken away that we would just take for granted in, in the past, that when we are we do have the opportunity of coming back to these things, that we will actually give them the respect and the value that yeah, they really definitely. deserve. Yeah, that, there, have, there have been some things, I think, that have been for the that brought, brought good, you know, it's resulted in good things, you know, just people unnecessarily driving around all over the place cars everywhere you know the fact there's 
um, just I don't know the, the, there are certain things I think that possibly being you know positive out of it not many but there have been one or two yeah. things and behaviors that have been a bit more positive all in all you know looking back on what you wrote back in May do you think you've how would you sum it up <laughs> giving yourselves giving yourself marks out of 10 how how well do you think you've got through the last 10 months on a scale of 1 to 10 10 being absolutely brilliant sailed through it all <laughs> i would say, i i think i think i've coped with it pretty well to be honest mm, so I'd, yeah. I'd be going for yeah. i'd be going for 7 or 8 that's i know that sounds quite high and i'm i'm you know i'm very very lucky in very many ways i think not that's not that that's not from my you know it, it, i just i don't i'm not someone that has massive social circles that i'm socializing all the time anyway i i quite like even you know before the uh, you know the pandemic i was i spend quite a lot of time on my own you know so it hasn't been as difficult for me and the adjustment from going into the office and the social side initially was hard but now now um taking the whole period i would say yeah seven and a half eight so what we thought we'd do with you now is just i don't um you may have listened to one or two of these podcasts and we have this yeah yeah one or two of them. i've listened to a few of them, have, some, of them some of them have been absolute <laughs> fits i can't remember which. it's the mental health podcast with What do you do when it's raining? I, there's a saying that something like, there's no such thing as the wrong weather, just the wrong clothing. So I try to do what I would have done anyway. I go out if I was going to go out. Um, and so I just, I, I just carry on with my normal life. What is your favorite mood boosting food? Ooh, I would head for. <laughs> there's two. There's two things I like most: sleeping and eating. So, and I'll eat, I'll eat virtually anything, and particularly cheese. A nice, a nice um, blue cheese. Cake or pasty. Um, pasty. Nothing there. Definitely a path, a nice, good, particularly if it's a Cornish one. <laughs> what was the name of the last book you read? Tony Parsons. It's called Man and Wife. And I often pick up books I shouldn't touch with a freaking... <laughs> this, one, this, this one's about, about a man who's had um he, he was married with a child and that marriage went by the wayside i've just started it actually and he's he's with someone else and it's the dynamics around all the um stepchildren you know stepchildren that are involved in this relationship what's your favorite film they... Probably one. It's it's a film about. There's two. There's there's one called Walk the Line about Johnny Cash, which is a very good film. Yeah, great soundtrack as well. Yeah, and there's another one called Hurricane, which is about about a boxer who was wrongly convicted of murder. And it's the it's the song um, Bob Dylan sings the song about it, and he sang the song for that particular incident. So that that that's another brilliant film. What are you most grateful for, and why? I'm not going to say my kids because I think that's a given, as they say. I would say I'm probably most grateful 
and it's a bit of a touchable one for my health. I think I've been very, I've enjoyed good health. I've always been fit. So I'd have to say my health, other things being a given. What do you think of mindfulness and what is your favourite mindfulness meditation? Struggle with that ability to, well, sort of live in the moment. I can barely, con you know, there's so much going on in my head quite often that I, you know, I've tried to listen to a radio programme or I read or watch my mind so active I'm not concentrating on it and I think it's something I should work on I th I think mindfulness if that's my understanding of it I also think people have a slightly different take on what mindfulness is and my mine is, is is that it should be about living in the moment I'm obsessively concerned about the future not the future as in years hence but the immediate future what I'm doing next What's, what am I going to do this afternoon? What am I going to do tonight? What, it's always... So I think I should practice it more, definitely. What one thing are you most proud of and why? I've done a couple of the... You know, these long bike rides and that that I've done, or just... Again, all the things like this, there's givens within that as well. I'm proud of the kids and I'm proud of this, that and the other. There's one of the children now. Um... Oh. <laughs> but um yeah proud i'm um, yeah thanks ever so much for joining us along the uh, airwaves all the way from North Yorkshire. Yeah. Yes, the wonders of modern yeah. technology. Pleasure was all fine. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for sharing your lockdown thoughts with us, your writing and your uh, answers to the questions. That's really given us lots of food for thought. Mm. Um, and we hope you enjoy many bike rides many coastal walks it's very much the opportunity to contribute to it and um yeah look yeah Lovely. i look forward to seeing nice yeah nice one thanks kiddos yeah yeah Take yeah Take keep care. in touch nice to bye. Bye. bye well that was great listening to jared wasn't it Phil? yes very interesting as ever i love it i really love um seeing what direction our guests take us in and it never fails to surprise me absolutely yes there's often a surprise in there isn't there in the uh answers to the questions yeah and i was quite um taken by the fact that his two fit he mentioned two favorite films and both of them were prison-based dramas which was a little bit um off the wall really yeah very interesting yeah it's uh, often in adversity that we find uh the true meaning of uh some things so that may be a thing to take with us as regards this current lockdown situation i think what i find i mean it is a little bit of a passion of mine uh, and a much ne neglected sector the prison sector and the impact it has on family friends wider community um, and it's something i've felt that at some point we should address that as part of our podcast and i hope at some point um but we might get some guests on who are experts in that field. Yes, that'd be a good idea, I think. Yes, but any for anyone who is dealing with um, the impact of imprisonment during this crisis, there are a couple of organisations that I have come across. Um, one is Children Heard and Seen, I think it's called, who seem to be doing really good work supporting children who are impacted by a parent or family member in prison. Um, and I had hoped that one of their one of their spokespeople might uh, be guests on our podcast at some point in the future. So if they're listening, maybe they'd like to make contact. Indeed. Um, I was also listening 
today actually to quite an interesting, it was on YouTube, it was uh, Criminal Justice Natters and it was a guy called Chris Atkins who was talking about the prison crisis. A lot of people see prison as a holiday camp and he was certainly dispelling that um, myth. Indeed. So something interest something of interest if you're interested in criminal justice you could follow um criminal justice matters chris atkins was a famous film producer um who was imprisoned got a five-year sentence and as a consequence wrote a book which was called called a bit of a stretch the diaries of a prisoner and uh, makes for fascinating listening and reading if you're interesting, interested in criminal justice and the prison system. On a lighter note, it was also clear that Jerd uh, likes jokes, I think. Do you like jokes? 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 Do you like Jerd jokes? Likes too jokes. quick, too quick. Do you like jokes? Jerd likes jokes. Jerd likes jokes. Don't know who you were meant to be there, but I think it was some famous comedian. Indeed. Uh, anyway, we we love jokes, so I was trying to think of some bicycle jokes because Jared's a fan of cycling as well. So uh, what I thought of is knock knock. Who's there? Isabel. Isabel who? Isabel necessary on a bike. Boom 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 boom. boom. <laughs> and stuff like that. If you've got better jokes then please do share them on our instagram page which can be found at we, we can, can get, get through this pod um so we've set a very low bar moving swiftly on the other thing uh Jared mentioned was mindfulness or his kind of inability or lack of mindfulness and that he often finds when he's doing one activity his mind is very rapidly drifting into another world of thought of thinking what's coming up next what he's got to do in the next hour the next couple of hours the next evening and so on in mindfulness terms we call it autopilot and it's what current mindfulness practice is aimed at trying to get us off Yes, indeed. So one way, again, if you are interested in um, developing your mindfulness strategy more fully, we do have some videos. A showcase of videos. A showcase of videos. With the, uh, which is the full eight-week uh, recognised mindfulness-based stress reduction course set to videos. And uh, they can be either delivered at individually if that's what you'd like to do to try them um, in a sort of bite-sized way or alternatively we have a whole showcase of all eight videos which we recommend we you, you use in a similar way to the course namely you watch one video each week over eight weeks and then having watched all of the videos then go back to the ones which you feel are most beneficial for you mm, indeed so again that can be accessed either by making contact with us through our instagram page or through our website which is www.tanamine.org.uk and if you go to the first page there you will see uh, a support form which you can complete and that will come straight to us uh, just indicate you'd like to uh, have access to the mindfulness videos and we will make contact with you in order for that to happen um, so just a very very brief recommendation if you do find yourself with your mind wandering off in different directions, to bring yourself and your focus back to the present, the most simple way of doing that is to focus on the breath. The breath, as we learn through mindfulness, is something that is always with us. Um, so by refocusing our attention on our breathing, it brings us directly into the present moment. And again, the breath is something which is uh, taken for granted by most of us. We, we don't think about breathing. Breathing is a, an automatic response. But occasionally to focus on the breath does bring us back into uh, an awareness of our bodies, of how we are holding our bodies, of how tense we may be, and all of those different things. 
So it's a useful tool to be able to use the breath as a means of focusing and anchoring. So Jared and anyone else with this kind of issue, give this a try. So letting yourself relax, take a breath in to the count of three. One, two, three, hold for one and breathe out to the count of five. One, two, three, four, five, and repeat. If you do that for a fairly sustained period of time, really giving focus to that in-breath, the pause and the out-breath, it would hopefully begin to steady your mind, to take you away from that thought, those thinking processes. And many people think that um, the breathing in is the therapeutic part of um, focusing on the breath. In fact, it's the opposite. It's the breathing out, which is the really important bit. Because when we get tense, when our body's tense and when we feel stressed, what we tend to do is to shallow breathe, which means that we take in short breaths, but equally we give out short breaths. So there is effectively within our bodies at any one time lots of what we would call stale air, if you like. So the opportunity of breathing out for five and trying to fully exhale the, the, the air from the lungs gives the lungs an opportunity to release some of that air which is constantly kept in the lungs and actually starts to renew and to refresh the lungs in some ways. So it's both physically good and possibly mentally beneficial. Mm, absolutely. Uh, another aspect to bear in mind when thinking about mindfulness is that it's not necessarily about clearing those thoughts. It's um, a major part of mindfulness is raising your awareness and being aware of those thoughts in a non-judgmental way. So actually noticing those thoughts, maybe letting them go, um, but not judging them. And you know, a lesson that I think Jared has uh, mentioned that he sort of learned through life is maybe not to be so hard on yourself, not to judge yourself and um, allow things, things will move on, things will change. A very good example of that is the way that mindfulness is used sometimes in relation to pain relief. In that um, the idea of often when we feel pain, whether that's physical pain in a part of our body or an emotional pain in our minds, what we try to do is to push that pain away and to, to get rid of it. To, we don't want it to be there. We want to uh, be released from it. In fact, what mindfulness tends to suggest is that you focus on the pain, which is probably sort of counterintuitive in many ways. So, but by focusing on the pain, what you start to do is you start to become more aware of it. You can feel the seat of the pain. You can understand what it's doing to you physically and emotionally. And uh, that can often uh, result in the pain dissipating uh, in a way which uh, helps you to be able to cope with it in a better way. Uh, and you feel more in control and uh, uh, in, in a bit more of a, an awareness relationship with what's going on in your both your mind and your body excellent so we've kind of almost turned this into a mindfulness um podcast which we didn't mean to do but hopefully some of that you'll find useful and if you do want to extend your uh, awareness and knowledge of mindfulness then by all means do contact us um now usually at this point phil we have a bit of ukulele playing but I don't think we were going to go for that this week, were we? I think this podcast has been so full of really interesting information and um, uh, tools and other things that we could maybe give the ukulele a miss this week. But um, <laughs> you haven't got off the hook by any means, those of you out there in podcast, podcast land. We are going to return very soon with the ukulele session. Yes, but for now, we thought we'd do a little um, song list, playlist of tunes with a cycling related theme and in my search for cycling related songs um, I just came across a very interesting little snippet a very I'm sure many of you will know Blur and their 1994 anthem Park Life that was originally going to be called Park Tool believe it or not 
well, according to Cycling Weekly magazine, <laughs> as Damon Holborn had a Saturday job in the workshop of Hanford's, would you believe? Um, anyway, that's a fairly interesting little <laughs> snippet. Snippet. Um, they've also suggested that Rod Stewart's breakthrough solo album should have gone to the press as every puncture tells a story. Ooh. Oh, well, their, their jokes are almost as bad as ours. Um, but on a more serious playlist note, there are songs like Bicycle, Bicycle. I want to ride my bicycle. I think that's called Bicycle Race by Queen. Must be by Queen. Um, oh, there's one by Madness. Can you guess what that one's called? No. Well, they've got driving. I like driving in my car. Apparently on the B-side was riding on my bike. Well, there you go. Um, oh... What's the most famous bike race that you know of? The Tour de France. Yes. And who did a song about that? Craftwork. Way. We're on a roll. Um, oh, this is a bit of a weird one. Frankie Lane did a song called Rawhide. <laughs> and Cycling Weekly suggests that this is a poignant warning to those who don't invest in sufficiently padded shorts. <laughs> um, give me the name of one last cycling tune. Big number in it. Bigger than the PPE um, search that George referred to. Ah, I think I may have it. Is it? 10 million bicycles in Beijing. Um, it's something like that. I think it's certainly 9 million, is it? <laughs> I bet there are 10 million. So with that, we're going to get on our bikes, yes. freewheel out of here. On your bike. And look forward to rambling away again next week. Bye for now. Bicycle for now.